Thank you for listening to the Three Count Wrestling Podcast, a podcast made by fans for fans. Join me, the Professor Cody Wilson, and stunning Steve Krasniak for news, general topic discussions, predictions, and reviews here on the Light Blue Podcast Network. And now, here's me. It's It's been a very news-heavy week. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's an understatement. <laughs> so, obviously we're going to leave the big one for last. It, it's... I mean, geez, this week has been nothing but weird yeah. implications for the future of WWE. Yeah, that's an understatement. So, let's see here. Um, our first news story is that, if you did not know, uh, Otis from Heavy Machinery, the, spoiler alert, current Money in the Bank holder... Or I should say Otis in the bank. Oh, Lord. We're going to do this, aren't we? Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, he has dyslexia. If, if it was, you know, not known to most people. And he did an interview on Chasing Glory. And I think that's Lillian, Gar- Lillian Garcia's uh, podcast. Um, on how dyslexia has impacted his life. Pretty much he's... He goes on to say that he it took him six months to tell Tucker that he can't read. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I guess there was a story about... There's a story about how he remembers at the finals in college, when he tried going to college, I got this weird pain in the back of my head, and the doctor said I was getting these headaches. I was getting freaked out. I was like, what's going on? You just get this. I don't know how to explain it. The nerves, the tension, the back of your head is very high stress. It's from you trying to read and comprehend. Just trying to get that, basically. In high school, I had my angel teacher, Barbara Danielson. She helped me through everything, every test. She was my reader. ACT, she was my reader. We just had a great relationship, and she did her best to get me passing for those athletics. Wow. Wow. I never would have guessed they hide it well on TV. Oh yeah, they hide it very well on TV. It's um, and one of those if you if you never would have told me, I never would have guessed. Yeah. Uh. He is. He he. So now knowing this, it's like he could be projected as a as the be a star role model. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they have Titus O'Neil, but now since he's Money in the Bank winner, and if this gets out public, like, just imagine the baby face reactions he's going to get. Oh, that that man can never be a heel as long as he lives. People love him too much. Right. Which is which is fair. I, I, I do feel sorry for his tag partner in a way, because he's getting all the shine and glory, and everybody's forgetting about poor Tucker. Well, here's the thing. Otis was, like, the dark horse in this match. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was 100%. I even predicted him not... Well, actually, I take that back. <laughs> I did predict that. You did. And I was like, holy shit, I won. I, I should just it's, win the... Just win period because of that. It's still better than I got a wrestling buddy... One of his friends made a joking comment of, 
if Otis wins, I'm going to eat an entire jar of mayonnaise. <laughs> and apparently he still hasn't lived up to his end of the bargain yet. But can you just imagine how many people lost their mind? See, that's a moment I wish we had fans back for wrestling. Right? Just that pop alone would have been Oh, yeah. Huge. Another pop would have been huge, which we're going to cover it later. Oh, yeah. Definitely. I'm sure if you guys watch Monday Night Raw, you know what it is. Right. But, yeah, it, Otis has dyslexia. I, you know, it. Uh, being he's, he was probably bullied in high school, uh, school in general, for just you know, not, not being able to read. Uh, not even that fact. I'm sure he was a big boy in high school, too. Oh, and God, I yeah. don't. I know how that is because I'm a bigger man myself, and I had to actually switch schools my freshman year because I got bullied so much. Really? I yeah. I was in South Park my freshman year. I had to eventually learn to bleed because I couldn't take the bullying anymore. And then that's when I moved out to um, the school I graduated from during the fourth semester. Oh no shit! Yeah. Hmm. Learn something new every day. Yeah, but yeah, like that. Like he's now the be a star poster boy. So, yeah, that's it, good for you know good for Otis for coming out and saying that. I mean, now yeah. it's obviously going to be public because he was on a uh, Lillian Garcia's podcast. And the good th- uh, the thing I like about him doing that is that's going to give kids or any adult or anybody that has the dyslexia. Thinking, hey, look at this guy. He's got it too. Look what he's doing. Yeah, look what he's accomplished. He's banging a hot blonde and has a world title contract for whenever he wants. <laughs> he already won when he got Mandy Rose. I'm sorry. Now it's just extra. <laughs> that that is that's just the icing on the cake. It's ridiculous. No, what's ridiculous is what I heard how he's gonna cash it in, but. I can understand why, but at the same time, yeah. Oh, I haven't heard that, but we can get to that when we get to the to the match. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's that's new story number one with uh, Otis with dyslexia, and uh, you know, good for him for coming out and saying that. It uh, gives a lot of people hope. Yeah, it gives a lot of people hope, and gives a lot of people, you know, um, courage to try to. Oh yeah, courage to you know do what they want. So the next, oh, sorry guys, the next story we're about to cover is how Big Show is talking the busted open radio about how younger talent is learning from the empty arenas. Um, he stated on Sirius XM's busted ra- open radio, I think the empty arena and working in the ring with your opponent is going to make your younger talent a lot better. Um, because you really see your business exposed when you don't have a crowd to hide your mistakes. You don't have a crowd that can boost along your story. You can't stop your foot on the mat and get them going or clap your hands or scream at the crowd. So, and he's right. That's the worst part. He's right. And it also, it's going to make the wrestlers, I'm sure the people listening know that they mumble stuff under their breath. We've all heard him say it. Oh yeah, time, time again, but that's going to improve too. Because now we can hear everything. 
Oh yeah. You 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 can hear the footstomps on the mat. You can hear the um you can hear oh. the 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 hits actually hit hard, especially let's if they're take, fucking up. Let's take WrestleMania for example. If there that was in front of a crowd, we never would have heard the ring bell get smacked over Seth Rollins and Kevin Owens' heads. Exactly. We never would have heard that. I'm glad we were able to hear it because that was the funniest part of the match. <laughs> Well, we never would have heard stuff like that. We're hearing a lot more, and the quality of the matches seem to be better. Right. And and the thing is, is that um, with these empty arena matches, they have to go in another direction for production. Oh yeah, totally. They have to um, they have to like they're they're doing all the cinematic stuff now, which you know finally took them forever to fucking do. I'm surprised they haven't done this sooner. It's actually working out really well for him, I think. It is, and the worst part is, is that Matt Hardy is not there to, you know. Oh, can you imagine the shenanigans Woken Matt Hardy could have done with his cinematic wrestling matches they're doing? Oh yeah, I totally could. That would be gold. It just sucks because you could have done. So many things if Matt Hardy was in Money in the Bank. Oh. Like, that would have been awesome. Right, like, he could have went in the elevator as regular Matt Hardy, got to the t- uh, got off the elevator as Woken Matt Hardy. Exactly. They could have done so much nonsense with him. Good, funny nonsense, but there were plenty of moments we'll get to later. With oh, yeah. Match. Plenty of them. Yeah, the word, the, like the better thing is about these empty arena matches, like Big Show said, you you can't hide behind your mistakes now. No, and the other great thing is the pay per view only lasted just almost two and a half hours. I was now I was you- so confused. I was like, I started it or I started it late. I started it at like eight o'clock. I didn't watch it till the next day, and I finished it at yeah around ten thirty eleven o'clock, and I'm just like. Holy shit! This only this ended at nine thirty, right? Because they already had pre-taped the ladder match, combined them together. They only had like what four or five actual live matches, and that was it. Six. You had six live matches because yes. that fucking. We'll get to that when we get there. But um, but, yeah. I mean, and Big Show's right, you know, and here's the thing. I don't know, Big Show and a lot of the older guys have been saying the same thing on Austin's podcast. And I don't know if you've watched it or not, the Broken Skull Sessions. No. So, Taker, Big Show, Flair, and Bret Hart all said the exact same thing. Less is more. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Ricochet, and I love the fact that he can do a 6.30 centon. But there's no need for it. There is so no need for it. It looks cool, but that's about it. Exactly. It's like, and these guys don't have that much time to shine. So the fact that they do all these flippy shit, it's like, oh my god. And him... Undertaker, Flair, Hart, when they're all saying, you know, less is more, 
and they've been in the business, especially WWE, 20 plus years each. Back in like Flair's day, because he's probably the oldest one on that bunch you mentioned, a cross body block was a high impact finishing move, just like an abdominal stretch. Now that's in the 70s. And right. I, I just watched the one with Flair. He said in 1976 in St. Louis, somebody did the abdominal stretch as a f- finishing move. Right. Nowadays, that's just like a rest move. You don't, like, there wasn't no RKO's or curb stomps or right. friggin' 350 no scope and frog splashes. I don't know. <laughs> What the it hell? was just like, you know, suplexes, DDTs. Right, Jake the Snake what? Roberts did a DDT for years as the finisher. Right, Jerry the King Waller, final driver, Ric Flair with uh, Frigga for leg lock. Mm-hmm. That, was, that was inventive back then. No, he actually took that from someone. Oh, that's right, but still, that was inventive for back then. Nothing like the gory bomb or the Spanish fly. God, the Spanish fly. Right, um, like, Jesus Christ. Like, there it's like. No four fifties and motorcycles. Right. Yeah, Flair talked about how um, he worked with Andre the Giant. Yeah. And how Andre looks at him and goes, like, he hasn't been a headlock. That's a. That's, yeah, ouch. Right, but Andre has him in a headlock, and Flair goes, okay, now what? And Andre goes, hey, boss, we're just, uh, we're just gonna walk around. We have him. Let's take it easy. You know, it's like, less is more. You want to save your body for this career. You want to make as much money as possible in this field. Right, and then you got guys nowadays, like, Jeff Hardy literally beat the hell out of his body and stuff. He does. Yeah, it looks cool. It looks amazing. But at the end of the day, you're just taking like years off your career by doing stuff. Right. Well, perfect example. Edge. He came back from double neck fusion. Daniel Bryan came back too. Yeah, and Daniel Bryan had was uh, on concussion uh, warning. But still, I mean, like, the fact that Edge came back after only eight, eight, nine years. Nine years. Well, the it, reason it, he, he left originally was because they said his C4, well, he already fused his C5 and his C6. Yeah, I remember that. And his C4 started compressing. Yeah. Because of the C5 and C6 fusion. Yeah. So he put off his second surgery for a year and then not only did they fuse his C4, C5, and C6 they took all the pressure off his spinal cord and something else that I can't remember what because I just watched his documentary today too but still the fact that he came back at all even yeah he came back after breaking his fucking neck right he didn't win an Olympic gold medal yeah, and he didn't win an Olympic gold medal, but he broke his fucking neck. Literally, in the fact that he's back wrestling on a part-time basis, but even that still. 
Well, he, he's a full. T- he's pretty much a full time producer and a, you know, part time wrestler, which is fine. But the fact he's even back at all. Yeah, the fact that he's even there at all, and I bet you he would even say now, less is more. Oh yeah, especially because look what he put his body through during them great TLC matches with him, Christian, the Dudleys, and the Hardys. And then the TLC match with him and Cena. Right. I'll still never forget that spear he did off the ladder when the guy was holding the title. Yeah, great to the ground. Jeff Hardy holding a tag team title ring. Um, yeah. At WrestleMania 17 at TLC 2. That spear yep. lives in infamy. Right. That's a long way down. That was, if I did my math correctly, that was at least a 15 foot drop for Jeff. Right. If not more, because the way Jeff took the spear, he flatted out as soon as Edge hit him. So his back is going to take more of a fall than Edge's knees. Edge's knees were probably about 10 or 11 feet high. So yeah, if any of those guys landed wrong, Edge could have blew out his knees. Yeah. Um, Something could happen with Jeff's back. But still, what he did to himself during that, time frame with these TLC matches and that match with him and Mick Foley going through the burning table. Stuff like that. Oh my it's god. Gonna, it's gonna add up over the years. Yeah. Not to mention he had freaking thumbtacks in the back. Uh, I just got a cold shiver on that one. Yeah. Like every time somebody goes in thumbtacks that's not Mick Foley I get like oh my god. Yeah, because Mick Foley's got dumped on so many ropes, he probably knows the safest way to do it. Which is not doing it, but whatever. <laughs> right. Um, so. Obviously. Uh, the last news story we're going to talk about today is uh, Becky Lynch announced she's pregnant on Monday Night Raw. I'm happy for her. What the hell? She seemed really genuine and happy about it. Uh, That makes sense why she hasn't wrestled since WrestleMania. Right. I guess the baby's due in December, apparently. Right. Now, here's the thing. (laughs) Becky Lynch coming out and saying that she's pregnant. If you're a jaded fan and thinks that this is a work for her to not give up the title to someone this is not I this is not a clean show by any stretch of the means but you can go fuck yourself you can clearly tell if anybody's watched it by now the emotion that she she was choking up from the very beginning right that was not because we've seen fake emotions when it comes. We've seen pregnant, like I'm pregnant, things over many years. 
Right. It's never been that genuine of a reaction. Well, here's the thing. And you have, you'll have dumb, smart marks. Oh, yeah. And granted, if you guys listen to the show, more, more power to you. I am not going to argue or piss, if I piss you off, fine. But if you're the one that keeps on listening, you keep on listening. That's not my problem. You'll have smart marks listening to this saying, well, she wrestled at WrestleMania. Yes. But not everything from WrestleMania was live. Nope. WrestleMania was in the can about 90% of it. A couple weeks before that. Was in the can the week or two before. Right, so... And I, I guess she was taking like test after test after test until she got one that actually clearly said those digital ones that literally say you're pregnant or not pregnant, not with the lines. Right, exactly. And everybody's going off this post that wasn't like at first I thought it was from her legitimate page, but it turned out it wasn't saying that oh, it looks like these rumors got squashed and was showing a, a false pregnancy test, but somebody pointed out that's not her real page. And that's why these smart, like you said, these smart marks are going off that too. But yeah, no, there's no way that this is a word by any sort of a meaning. <clears throat> right, exactly. Like, if it was like a mid card, I could maybe see WWE calling that. But with her being such a big star as she as she is, right? I don't, I don't see WWE. Her for an angle like that. Like, if it was somebody like Lana, no offense to like Lana, Dana Brooke, or somebody like that, I can maybe think it'd be a work at that point. Right. But, yeah, when you've seen that genuine of emotion on Becky. Well, see, it, it was weird too. Did you watch Raw? I just watched that segment. Well, catch the. The whole thing of Raw was when she, Becky came out, she was holding the briefcase. Yeah, I, yeah. And I'm like, wait a minute. Why is she, Why is she holding Asuka's briefcase? What's going on here? Everything became clear once Asuka I came was, out and she opened it up. Well, she said I had to go away. So I'm thinking, oh, she's injured. She's not going to be able to defend the title. So this is they're gonna they're gonna retroactive the title from Becky to Asuka. They're gonna they're just gonna transfer the title from Becky to Asuka with no pen attempt or anything. Just here's the you cash in, here you go. So be it. So I'm thinking she's injured. Right, that's what I thought originally. And then Especially with the way she was crying. Right. And then she opens the briefcase and says that the Money in the Bank match was not just for was not for a contract; it was for the belt itself. And I'm like, okay, so she's injured. So there, there's something yeah. happening that she has to be away for at least thirty days because she can't defend the title. And Oscar's dance acted like there was an actual audience there. Was hilarious. That was great. Oh Oscar my god, became, she became an insta face right there. That was great. She can't be healed anymore. The way she reacted to that whole segment was so genuine. Mm-hmm. She can't go back to being a heel right now. She, right. And then when Becky um, 
when she came back into the ring and Becky goes, now you go on, be a warrior. I'm going to go be a mother. My jaw dropped. Right. So my, I had the same look Oscar had on her face. I was like, what the fuck? By the way, the memes that are coming from this. Oh, they're, they're gold. They are gold. This is good shit. Just <laughs> I seen an article on Facebook from Kayfabe and whatever going, Becky Lynch announces pregnancy. Here are the five possible candidates. That yeah, here are the five fight. possible fighter, fathers. <laughs> Kayfabe news. It's it's a thing. Um, yeah, I don't know if it's, it's woke culture it's or... No, it's, it's a totally separate. Oh my god. And it's just basically takes a simple thing that happened mm. blows it way out of proportion for community value. Oh yeah, definitely. Without a doubt. No, it's yeah. just so now here's here's the thing. Asuka now has made history more history than Bailey. Right, she's the now Grand Slam champion. More than that. Bailey is the, is one of two women now to win the Money in the Bank, Raw, SmackDown, NXT, and Tag Team Women's Championships. Asuka has one more thing on Bailey. That 200 some odd day in the beat streak. No, she won the first Women's Royal Rumble. That too. Asuka is the only woman in the company to win every accolade you can as a woman. Right. Well, besides going for men's championships, you smart marks, but that's besides the point. It, every women's accolade that they can possibly do in wrestling in WWE. Right now. Right I'm still now. Waiting for, I'm still waiting for them to do like a queen of the ring. Right. Which would be awesome. I can see that happening within a year or more. Oh, yeah. And then having Asuka being the... She's pretty much... She is the woman in WWE. Right now, yeah. When you, when you put... Besides the fact that Charlotte has 11 title reigns and that Charlotte has won... Is a Triple Crown champion in NXT, Raw, and SmackDown... Um, and she, and she won that, the Royal Rumble. Yeah, but she will never have first women's Royal Rumble victory. Um, the streak that Asuka has, because I don't see them doing that again anytime soon. Oh, God, no. God, no. The only thing that Charlotte's missing is an uh, a women's tag title run and, an M- and a Money in the Bank win. She has been cashed in on twice. Oh. She got cashed in on with by Carmella after 319 days or whatever the number was. Yeah, that was big. And then Bailey cashed in on her the same night Bailey won it. I remember that. So I was like, okay, so awesome. But so yeah, no, it so for Asuka to be to literally say that Asuka is the woman in WWE right now, you can't argue it. She's won everything. Plus, on top, the cherry on top, 
he's got a very successful YouTube channel. Which is mind-boggling. It, the, her YouTube channel, guys, you got to go check it out. It is the most Japanese thing I've ever seen. <laughs> okay, but let's try I, not I, to be racist. No, I mean that in a good way. <laughs> I mean that in a totally this, the giddiness she is, the laugh, just everything. She is just so giddy full of oh. joy. Oh. So, if you're in a sad mood, watch her YouTube channel. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, but congratulations to Seth and Becky. Um, they deserve it. I hope the kid comes out healthy. Um, I, I wish nothing but the the best for all of them. And I, I, I just want to point out one more thing. And this is, again, to the jaded fans who think wrestling is extremely real. It's real, but not that real. Right. It's entertainment, but real stuff actually legitimately happens. Right. I understand that you can hate a character. I understand that you can hate a person. I understand that sometimes the character and the person are one and the same, just dialed up to ten. Right. When somebody comments on Nikki Bella's Twitter. Oh, I know where you're going with this. Yeah. When somebody comments on Nikki Bella's Twitter saying after she had just congratulated Becky Lynch on being pregnant, you go and tell her that she you hope her baby dies because you don't like her. That that's just crossing a line that should not be crossed. You don't say that about anybody, and you don't... Yeah, you can hate the character or not. Like, for example, I don't... For football, I don't like Tom Brady, but I don't wish death on him or his children if he ever had that. Okay, look, I'm going to be the first to admit this. I don't necessarily want death upon Tom Brady. I just hope he gets tackled in the right way to become a quadriplegic. That's just a completely <laughs> different situation. Like you don't wish like death on the born kid. No, you kid don't. Just... You don't wish somebody loses their kid. You don't wish so. You don't wish death upon people because you don't like them. Whoop de freaking do! Tom Brady has six rings. Who cares? Bills went to the Super Bowl four times and choked. In a row. They're the only yeah. team to do that. So... At least we got something for us. Look, Nikki Bella is the longest reigning Divas champion. Granted, the history and the lineage went in with the Women's Championship, but still, nonetheless, Nikki Bella is the longest reigning Divas champion. I don't care if Vince McMahon hates AJ Lee and wanted to, you know, revenge on AJ Lee for... Marrying Punk. Right. I, I don't care. Yeah. Yes, was Nikki, was the Bella Twins annoying? Without a doubt. They're more oh, annoying no. than the Iconics. That's saying a lot. The Iconics are only good for one thing, and they have two of them. I, I'm not gonna go there. Because I'm, I, I'm not exactly sure what you're talking about. And I, I, I'm, I'm trying to keep this as PG-13 as possible. But they're laughs. It's just like, yeah, they're laughs annoying. They, but 
I mean, I think that Nikki Bella wasn't the best wrestler. I'll say that, but I don't wish a, I don't wish death upon any part of her family. Right, she's finally happy that she's getting married and having kids that she always wanted. Yeah, because she couldn't do that with a guy she couldn't see. I don't know who you're talking about. Yeah, me either. It's it's it's, it's weird. He was invisible the whole time on Total Bellas. Um, <laughs> right. But yeah, and that that's my final piece on that. Don't don't wish death upon these people. If if they're if they're a heel on screen and you think they're a heel in life, you you don't know that until you've actually met them in person. Right. I mean, they could legitimately be a gigantic douche, but you still don't wish death on them. Exactly. And that's the more you know moment right here on the podcast, people. Um. <laughs> Cute little star. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'll. I'll try to put that in the edit. Um, but yeah, before we go into the main event, which is going to be the Money in the Bank review, uh, here is a word from our sponsor, Anchor FM. Today's podcast is sponsored by Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. First of all, it's free. Who doesn't want to? Who doesn't want to do stuff for free? The creation tools. Uh, that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. How simple is that? Can't do anything better than that. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That means you can have zero listeners and still be able to try to make money. That is so cool. It is everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. And now, back to the podcast. The main event general topic. And welcome back to the main event of the podcast. We are going to be talking about the review of Money in the Bank 2020. What a weird one this was. Oh, that weird doesn't even begin to describe this. So... First thing I got on the notes here is that the opening promo, like the the thing that they did at the, op- the opening video package great production i thought that yeah. that was good you know even in times okay. like this they can still pull off great uh great production for shit like that they're trying to give fans quality entertainment because they know the times are tough right now right even though the ratings are still dipping but uh they did improve a little bit from last week but they're still under yeah but it is what it is yeah um, so, first match is the Fatal 4-Way for the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. You have a Forgotten Sons, Lucha House Party without Kalisto, New Day without Xavier Woods, and Hey Hey, Ho Ho, Ms. Morrison is the way to go. I, guess. I don't remember what the chant is, but I like I liked the Ms. Morrison chant. That was pretty cool. But it's like the Forgotten Sons, I honestly people forgot about them because... Well, I, oh, mean, yeah. I, I forgot they were a thing, so their name, unfortunately, this. Um, it was Riker and, uh, not Riker, it was Cutter and Blake. Yeah, um, those those guys are going to, unfortunately, their name says what's going to eventually happen. I hate to say it. You you think they're not going to uh, uh, live up to much in the, in the SmackDown Tag Team Division? I wish they would. But I'm thinking, like, Vince would think he's done stupid stuff with great tag teams. 
can you imagine what he would do with a team that people hardly even remember? That's fair. I'll give you that. Um, Look what he did with the revived amazing team. Friggin' Authors of Pain, Ascension. Well, okay, hold on. I don't know if you watched the pod or listened to the podcast with the revival. I, I it's, it's on my things Okay. Well, here's a, a little spoiler alert for you. Um, those pictures that were released online about their new outfits or gimmicks. Yeah. Those were real. Uh, oh yeah. That uh, stupid comedy gimmick picture was real. Uh-huh. Those those were legit. Both uh Dash and what's the other guy's name? I can't remember. Dawson. Yeah, Dash and Dawson. Um they said those were real. And Vince, Bruce Pritchard, and a couple other guys, they were all around them, and Dash laughs right in their face. I would have said, screw your chicken strips, and I would have left. Right. I see those outfits. They're horrible. Well, the whole gimmick was is that they wanted they wanted them to be a quote unquote comedy act, but a serious comedy act. Like the only way for them to get TV time is to dress up like a dork. So basically, wanted to make make a really good tag team that can legitimately wrestle and make them look like a bunch of idiots. Pretty much, because those guys can actually work if anybody has watched them on NXT. Right. They just should have went back to NXT. Yeah, that, that's one opinion. I think that Vince just needs to get the fuck out of creative, but that's just my opinion. And those tag titles have changed. Oh, they did? Yep. Well, neither here nor there. We don't do NXT reviews just yet. I know. Um, it, it, it's one of those random thoughts that popped into my head. Right. Uh, beginning of the match was great. Uh, it They did some good high spots, some good tags in and out for everybody. Forgotten Sons, very heavily focused on this match. They were. Um, some good spots was the front flip Spanish fly from Morrison on the Great Metal Leak into the pile of people. Morrison's just a, a beast of his own. Oh yeah, he's a, he's amazing. And, uh, what I wrote, I don't know if you noticed this, but Kofi was being very sloppy in the middle of that match. I don't know if it was just like he was his timing was off or if he was trying to rush something. It just it seemed like he uh was being very sloppy for no reason. Maybe this wasn't feeling good or maybe yeah, they, were, they could have been running out of time. Right. Um or he just could have been really sweaty. Right. I you know that's that's a thing too. Uh, Riker getting eliminated <coughs> or thrown out of the ring or not the ring, but rig side that was pointless. Honestly, it he, wasn't, wasn't it a no disqualification match? It, a fatal four way is a no DQ. Yeah, yeah. So I would have looked at the referee. Go backstage. No. Exactly. It's like, what are you gonna do? Throw me out more? Like what? What? What, what are you gonna disqualify my team? No, yeah. No, I'm staying here. Um, the the good double stomp from Biggie and Kofi, where Biggie had him on his shoulders, and Kofi just took him right down. 
Um, Forgotten Sons going for their f- horrible finishing move, which I think is ridiculously stupid. Um, That's all I'm going to say. But Miz does a blind tag, and the guy holding... I can't remember who, I think it was... Uh, one of the Lucha House Party members getting, getting the finisher. But... The guy holding him could have seen Miz done the blind tag and go, hey, 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 he just tagged himself in. Get him in here and we'll finish him off. That was easily seen. And I'm like, you, wow, okay. Um, Or just play ignorance. Yeah, just play ignorance and fucking go for it. Miz brings up the pin. So many back and forth uh, sequences. It was, it was just, it was a good match with a little bit of Kofi, you know, mixed in there. You know, it was weird. But good for New Day for winning. And on to the predictions. It was... I had Forgotten Sons personally winning. And you had... You had New Day personally winning. And both of us said New Day. Which is how WWE went. Which is what we thought. Yeah. So we were right on... You were right on all of both of them. And I was right on WWE booking... So that's one for you and one for WWE. Um, a match that we did not see fucking coming was next. I knew, I knew they were going to add a couple more on SmackDown. I just knew they were going to. But it, but think, they they didn't add it. it. It was a surprise match. Oh, is that the MVP? Bobby yeah. Our truth nonsense. Yeah. I totally. Now here's the thing: Our Truth coming out like a like a soldier and doing his rap um, the entire time with no audience. <laughs> that was funny. That was good. Our Truth is comedical. Oh, he is God. I can't believe the guy's in his fifties. I still love, I think, that the one time he won the Royal Rumble match, thinking it was the Money in the Bank ladder match. <laughs> that, was, that was a good moment by our truth Or Little Jimmy. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, Truth comes out, and then MVP comes out, and I'm thinking, okay, cool, surprise match from Raw, because I was looking over the card. It was SmackDown heavy. Holy oh, yeah. crap. Which don't happen often. Right. And, uh... Squiggity squash, uh, quick match. Lashley just took truth to the fucking cleaners. And Jesus like, Christ! It looks like, as far as right now, it's like MVP Lashley. I'm okay with that. Let MVP fucking get a new stable. Oh, that'd be great. You know, he has. He already has that tag team of Thorn and. Um, Whatever the the other guy name is, yeah, I can't. I can't remember either. He has he has them, and now he's gonna have Lashley on his side. Jeez. Yeah. And I, I mean, honestly, I'm okay with that. Like, let let MVP get a stable going. Let him be a mouthpiece. Like he's a great wrestler, but it's a better mouthpiece. Oh, he's such a better mouthpiece. Hell, is he a better mouthpiece? Oh, by far. Um, yeah, next match, uh, Bailey, Bailey versus Tamina for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Um, 
But before the match started, and I liked this, Bailey was in the back singing to the Money, Money, Money. And I thought that was funny. I forgot about that. And then uh, Charlie Caruso comes up and... Uh, or was it Charlie? I don't, I don't remember who it was. It's one of the female reporters that know they don't get named anymore. They're just female one and two. Uh, I just know Charlie Caruso and Kayla Braxton. That's about the only one. Yeah, that, yeah Kayla Braxton, I think, is who it was. Um... She goes up to them and says, "Well, ba- or uh, Sasha, we saw, we see that you and Bailey are uh, have each other's backs, or supposed to have each other's backs." And uh, does Bailey blame you for the loss from Tamina in the tag team match last week? And Bailey doesn't even let her like say anything. Oh, they are so set up for Sasha to screw Bailey over. Oh, they, they have to. That that's been clear as day since friggin' I think it was WrestleMania when they had that interview with Sasha. Yeah, it was WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. They they've been setting it up since then. It's gonna happen. I'm guessing around SummerSlam. Ugh, I don't want to wait that long. They might pull the trigger at Backlash. I'd be happy with that. And then because they're setting it up for that, right? It, it's clear as day. Um. Yeah, the, I have a lot of notes on this match, it looks like. Um, oh, no, my bad. It was, uh... Um, oh, crap, what was the line that Corey said? There was there was a line that Corey said, and I can't believe... what it, I can't remember what it was. I can never remember half the stuff that was... Like I should have wrote down what the line was, but it was comic gold from him and, him and uh, Cole that, to, that night. Oh, my God, it was good shit. But the finish of the match was another roll-up, if I remember correctly. Uh, I'm thinking of. I think so. I could be wrong. But anyway, I watched this thing on a wrestling YouTube channel. The guy, the one dude said, there's been like 31 or 30-something roll-up pins so far this year. Oh, wow. Already. The fact that the yeah. guy does that big of a statistic re- uh, research, good for him. Well, he does, <laughs> the, it's Walt Culture, and they do, like, ups and downs. And roll-ups have been so common lately, I guess he, they just started to do a tally. Hmm, interesting. But there's been 30-something of them already. Right. Um, I saw that Tamina was looking very well in the match. Oh yeah, she sold. She was selling her leg very well. I thought that was good. She's a good, you know, good seller. That's good. That's good to see because I, I, I've seen a handful of Tamina matches. I'm just upset that they pulled the trigger with her because what was the point of all that build up? Right. It was just okay. That's the other reason why I'm thinking they're really setting up for Bailey Sasha. Right. And, eh, I'm, I'm sick of their feud. I've always hated... The only part of their feud I liked was NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 1 and NXT TakeOver Respect uh, was that their... Was yeah, the Iron Woman match and... Um, the, uh, the, the first match in Brooklyn. Yeah. But... 
Yeah, great counter by Bailey in the middle of the match. Uh, I think it was she went for a super kick, and she caught it. I'm trying to remember what she did. It was like she caught it, and then um... ah shit. Yeah, it's it's hard to remember half the stuff. Like I had it, I had it set for like the night after, but then I just don't remember jack shit after that. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm thinking I'm gonna start when I watch these. Even if I watch them the next day, take notes myself. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, like you said, the match ended poorly. It, it Sasha runs in, and Bailey gets the gets the crucifix pin. I was like, and it wasn't roll up; it was a crucifix pin that she she went for a Samoan drop, Tamina, yeah. and then Bailey just goes for the crucifix pin. And I'm just like, are you fucking kidding me? It's like poor finish. That build up that they were doing with Tamina just basically got wasted, right? All just so they can obviously set up for Sasha versus Bailey, right? And uh, we both lost that one. We both slapped Tamina across the board. Oh yeah, totally. Which sucks, but, um, yeah, that did suck. Totally. Next match is the Universal Championship match, which was Braun Strowman versus Bray Wyatt. I love how towards the end there, the moment right. that stood out to me the most is when Braun had the black sheep's mask on. And Mr. Rogers, I mean Bray Wyatt, was like joining the family. I knew when he didn't come out as the feed, I already knew what was going to happen. It was obvious. Right. But and... the fact he actually looked more like the feed, not the feed this time, but more like his Firefly Funhouse, instead of how he looked versus the Miz, which, which was kind of like a mixture. I read right. like, I'd like. There's no way Braun's going back, and then how he took it off and stomped on it. Yeah, that was good. No, um, what I, uh, what I got from it was, is that, obviously, with no Fiend Wyatt, he's not gonna win. No. At least that's what I looked looked into it, and I'm thinking, the way that they hyped this matchup with the package beforehand... I'm like, okay, so they want him to join the family again. Right. Which, understandably, you know, that way you can... And I, I don't know if this was just coincidence with both the title matches, but apparently both champions have a burden on them. Between Drew having a burden on him from Seth, thinking that he has a burden, and then Braun Strowman having the burden of the championship from Bray Wyatt. It was just a weird coincidence. Plus the fact that the puppets were around their inside. That was probably the most entertaining thing of the besides the Money in the Bank match the whole night. Right. You know, it's just... I love the Mr. Rogers side of the feast, uh, Bray Wyatt. It's just so great. Now, I don't know if you were catching this in in, in the match itself, um, but when, when Huskus the Pig came out, I got creeped right the fuck out. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, what the hell is going on here? I, I don't think I really, yeah. Because I was tired at that point. I unfortunately watched most of this when I was tired. Right. So I don't remember a lot of things except the money in the bank because that just had me giggling. Right. 
But, uh, yeah, it was just weird. And then you see, like, this remorseful side of Wyatt, like, I don't want to hurt you, Bray, but you need to come back to the family. And I'm trying to tell him that he can come back to the, that you can come back without having him to, you know, get involved. And I'm thinking, so he's talking about the fiend in the third person. Which I like all the Right, but he's like he he's saying that, like throughout the like through the match, you can see that he's trying to convince Bray to or yeah, convince Braun, yeah, to come come back into the fold so that I don't have to, you know, so that he doesn't have to get you back into the fold. It's more like join me voluntarily, or I'm going, or he's going to make you join voluntarily. They're going to set up now for now the theme to take on Braun Strowman. Right, which is all fine and dandy by me. I'm okay with that. But it, it's just... Uh, but when they, like that, how- that finish, you talked about it. It's like he just comes up with the black sheet mask. Don't know where the hell he got it from. Right. Um, and then he's like doing his normal shtick that he was with the black sheet mask. Took his merch off. Um, hugs Wyatt, gets him into a false sense of security, and power slams the poor bastard. And I like the the ending of the match, because when Braun's up at the top of the ramp, you see Wyatt in the corner, like, pissed off, and you just see flashes of the Fiend. Right. I'm just like, okay, so they're gonna, they're definitely not letting this feud go. Oh, I knew they weren't. And yeah, it's just it, it it was a it was an entertaining match to say the least. Yeah. And for that, the picks were. I think I personally had Bray. Yeah, you personally had Bray, but we both went with WWE Strowman. Yeah. And I personally went Strowman. Yeah. So. Because I didn't realize at first that like, if I knew they were going to do the Mr. Rogers Bray, I wouldn't personally pick Strowman. I didn't know what side they were going to do. The happy side of Bray or the fiend Bray. I right. didn't know what they were going with that. Right. Which makes because sense. If I, if I obviously would have known that ahead of time, I would have leaned more towards obviously Strowman personally. Right. So, just trying to tally it. Make sure I'm tallying it all up correctly here. And, okay, so that we lost either way. Drew. Okay, so that's right. So if you're keeping score at home, that WWE with like four wins, Steve has two, or one, and I have one. So yeah, it's, uh, so the fact that I picked Strowman all the way, and you picked Wyatt personally, and Strowman as WWE, as a WWE pick. That kind of switched the tide up for us a little bit between you and me. Yeah. 
And then the next match is... The Universal title. Yeah, no, that was the Universal title. Oh, I thought that was the, oh, the WWE Championship. Yeah. WWE Championship between Drew and Seth. Which Seth got new music. That that was, like, highlighted in my notes here, is that Seth's new music is, like, dripping like, gold. It sounds like it came out of an RPG video. I'm fine with that. So am I. Um, Drew McIntyre lit up Seth's chest with fucking chops. Right. I'm afraid to ever beat that man and piss him off if he could kill me with his pinky. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Like, compared to what he used to look like, till now. Yeah. But, yeah, that, that match was... He drew this match, if anything, was the workhorse match of the night. Like, you could see the different moves and sequences that these guys were just doing. Like, the, when they were on the outside, the shot with the table, the spot with the table, when Drew, like, got thrown over, or, like, missed or whatever. Because both those guys on their own are amazing workers. Oh, it yeah. all really depends on who they get put against, honestly. Yeah, there was a great sequence of moves uh, by Drew. He just he was just going all out after that after Seth took him for a little bit, but then when Seth hit the Falcon's arrow suplex off the corner, which I don't think he's done in a long time, Drew kicked out at one. Yeah, I remember that how he was kicking out at one like midway through the match. It's like. We're really making this guy look this powerful. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> they're just, they're just, they are showing why Drew McIntyre is an is an amazing performer. It's like, right, John Cena kicks out at two. Drew McIntyre, hold my beer. Yeah, John Cena kicks out at two. Drew McIntyre, what's a two? <laughs> <laughs> right, what's two? What's two? I don't. I don't, I don't know what even, two is. I don't even know what the full one is. Yeah, <laughs> kicks out of an F five at one. Like who does that? <laughs> I think he kicked out at the the stomp at two. But I mean, still. Yo, that's what it was. He kicked out of the Falcon Zero Suplex combo at one, and then he kicked out of a frog frog splash at one. We get Drew's powerful. We get he's a beast. But, damn. Right? They're just, they're just going all out. Insert Ron Simmons that I don't know. But, he does the best damn. I can never replicate it. I tried. Damn! That's close, but he's got that deep old man. Right. Oh. Huh. Got a cut on my elbow. I didn't know I had that. Um. <laughs> I hate those unexpected cuts where you don't realize right? you have until something gets poured on them accidentally or something. Yeah. But the last sequence of moves was so great. Went from a Glasgow kiss headbutt to a super kick from Rollins to a fucking Claymore from McIntyre. It's those two, those two need to work together. 
Oh, yeah. There's no way. Well, I guess that rivalry's done. Because I guess Drew's now working with King Corbin next week. Yeah, they're bringing back the fucking wild card rule, but you can only be invited. The wild card rule didn't work before. It's not gonna work now. They can't blame themselves for not having good stories, so they're blaming it on, oh, there's not enough star power. No, you don't have good stories. All you guys do is flat out main event stories, and that's it. You don't. You you gotta think you need a mid card. You need an open. Everyone needs a storyline. We don't need to see John Cena versus Randy Orton forty thousand six hundred and twenty-two. We don't. We don't need stuff like that. I understand right now times are tough or whatever. But they still have enough people that they haven't gotten rid of yet. Or there's enough people that don't want to not work for them still. Right. It's just, I don't know. You bring up NXT, guys. I would love to see Drew McIntyre versus Keith Lee. Oh, God. <laughs> I want to see that in the worst way. You know That's what I want to see that match in? And you, you, you would probably agree with me. A last one standing? An Iron Man match. Ooh, yeah. A 60-minute Iron Man match between Drew McIntyre and Keith Lee. Book that, WWE. You need to do that now. That's That That would be freaking unlimitless. Keith Lee is just amazing. He's a monster. Jesus Christ. Only problem is, is that um, Vince sees him as a big dude, so he wouldn't let him do all the flashy shit. Which, uh, I know, that's what pisses me off. But then again, we're sit- we were sitting here talking earlier about how less is more, and think about how that could save his body. Yeah. Just for that man to be able to suicide dives off over the ropes. Yeah. But, yeah, I really want to see that match so bad. Oh, God. That'd be a good match. Yeah, it would. So, with that, Drew McIntyre wins the match, and he's still WWE Champion. And then the ending of the match was even weirder, because he makes Seth shake his hand and shows him that he's a real leader. I'm just like, okay, what, what happened here? Right. Um. Yeah. So, last but not least, the Money in the Bank ladder matches that happen simultaneously together. Uh, where do I where do we start? Well, we start with the entrances. Obviously, they were. Yeah. I thought this was a great way to uh, bring people in. It showed it showed people who they beat to qualify. That was nice. They were doing it two by two, which was two women, two men, two women, two men, two women, two men. Um, and then not knowing where Oscar was to the start of the match. Which was funnier than hell. I thought the funnier part, though, was is that Carmella's doing her moonwalk, and all I'm hearing is her shoes squeaking the floor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was just so much 
nonsense in that match. Oh, I wrote down all the cameos. Um, so did I, I, I can remember them all. Um, yeah, it was just... It was just weird. It was um, insane. Um, so we started out with, obviously, the men fought a little bit first when the bell rang, and then the bell rang for the women, and Asuka just jumps on top of all of them. And she goes up the elevator, which was a smart thing to do. And then, of all stupid things, Carmella and Dana Brooke then run up the stairs. I'm like, why? Just wait for the other the elevator to come back. I, I just like how... Well, I used one of the other four elevators that was on the floor. Besides that, when they, the guys were fighting in the gym, and Baron Corbin throws that weight and breaks the glass, <laughs> he looks like a little kid... I saw that, and I'm just like, oh my god. <laughs> um, yeah, so they do all that. Uh, Ot- or Otis traps AJ Styles underneath a training, or uh, weight, weight training. Thing. Yeah. And then Ray just totally screws off on <laughs> I just like how AJ's like, Ray, Ray, help me, please. Nah, it just goes. I'm like, what the fuck? And then I think they went back to the women. Yeah. At this point, where they, or Dana did her first stupid moment of the night, where she grabs the briefcase. I think that was a bit later. But yeah, that was later. Uh, after after the whole thing with AJ getting trapped, it went to them finding or trying to find Oscar, but they're all fighting each other. And, and uh, the elevator actually opens and Asuka sneaks off. Uh-huh. And then Shayna Baszler, I think, was the first one to notice her. Yeah. Um, first cameo of the night, for no reason whatsoever, was Brother Fucking Love. Had so much spray tan on his face, it was ridiculous. Oh, my God. <laughs> I could leave it to Vince to have some kind of potty humor. Has to. Everything that he does has some sort of shit humor. I think the next cameo was. You told me who the next cameo was, and now now that you said that, I was like, okay, that makes sense. Oh yeah, um, I love I love that little segment when Daniel Bryan was doing the yes kicks, and Otis was going yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> that was the doing the, the clown thing. That was actually Noel Foley's boyfriend because he actually is a professional clown. They just gave him the signature Doink the Clown green wig. Yeah, they just gave him the Doink the Clown wig, which was fine. If, if it wasn't him, then he's got a twig. But I, I could, I'm not 100% sure, I'm like 95% sure that right. wasn't a Right. Um, yeah, that was just so dumb. And what I liked about what they did with AJ is that they were doing continuity. They, they, Oh, yeah. When he saw the picture of Taker at WrestleMania 33. And then opening up the door and see it. Cassie and Alistair Black is just like, you're going in here. Whap. Yeah, you're going to go in here. And then he slowly closes the door behind him. And it's like, no! I'm like, okay. And now we're now we're to the point where we see Dana Brooke's stupid moment of the night. The first one, at least. Um, that briefcase, which is literally filled with fake money. Filled with fake money, you've been in the company, I don't know, almost 10 years, 
You know that's not where they're gonna have the briefcase. You know, you know damn well, yeah. You you know damn well that the briefcase is not gonna be hanging in some fucking boardroom. Right. And that Stephanie McMahon shows up. Yeah, that brings telling her that she's a numpty. She's a friggin' idiot. Yeah. Of course. It... The 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 worst part about Stephanie's cameo was though is that it looks like it was taped that day. Oh yeah. Like it looked like oh here's here's a white screen or a white background just you know stay here and we'll that tape was, you real quick that was horrible that was a horrible horrible thing i was just that's, like okay that's that, that's the one production botch i'll give wwe for like 10 years but then after not, that that was still not my favorite uh i'm gonna take a guess and say yours was either the next one or the one after that the next two were my two favorite ones if i don't get I think there was only two more cameos. There was three. I remember, I think the next one was with Paul Heyman. Yep, next one was with Paul Heyman and the the food fight. Oh my god, I I love everybody's face after Otis hit. Oh, I remember. Yeah, I didn't really care much about it. Um, When Otis hit Paul Heyman with the food, everybody's face was like, yeah, that was do that. What the fuck? No, my favorite um my favorite part of that whole segment was Shayna Baszler has fucking Ray in the clutch. Oh yeah, well she had him in the Takeda clutch, yeah. And then Nia the Jackson character. Otis fucking sandwiches him. Oh my god, that was great. I felt bad for Ray and for Corbin that in this night because they both got their asses handed to him by women. Whatever. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god. Ray, understandable. It was Otis and Nia Jax and uh, Shayna Baszler. Shayna Baszler's a badass. I think that Ray could give up some, you know, some magic to Shayna Baszler on that one. But Paul is just like, it looks like he's ready to eat the whole fucking catering table. I guess I do. You know what I mean? Like he, it, it looked like the whole setup was that he was like eating the, gonna eat the whole catering table. I'm just like, what the fuck? And, and then I forget how much after that, where um, they're going through. I think it was, I might be jumping way ahead on this, but when Dana, when they're mopping the floors and then Dana. Oh yeah, that's way out. ahead. Yeah, I couldn't exactly remember. Yeah, no. The next, the next part of the match was they all go, and find Asuka. Or actually, no, I think you might be right. That might be next, because after that it was Otis going into the uh, seeing the lunchroom. Only thing yeah. is, I feel sorry for whoever had to clean up that food fight. Oh, that sucked. I would not have wanted to pull that short straw. Right. But, uh... Yeah, and then Dana took takes a spell. Work or not, that sucks. That had to hurt, but I was like, as soon as I see the convenient janitor placement, conveniently mopping the floor where people are about to run through, I'm like, uh-huh. okay, who's biting the big one? Who's falling? Obviously, it was going to be Dana. No one else was going to bite the big one. That's why I think that's only why Dana was in the match, to be honest with you. Which sucks, because she's actually pretty decent in the game. Um... But no, then the next thing was uh, Otis 
and the John Laurinaitis spot, and I'm just like, why is I'm John Laurinaitis on a scooter? <sighs> it's, well, I know why he was on the scooter. It was his gimmick when he was doing it, but I'm just like, why is he here? The same reason why Brother Love was there for no reason. Yeah, it's just like people power. No, nobody, nobody cares. Here, here's I'll a five. Pretty much. That was a waste of a five, but... Oh, yeah. That now, now you're on the third floor of Titan Towers, where everybody usually works, like Triple H, Stephanie, Vince, everybody. And, uh... My favorite, probably my favorite candy Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles are beating each other's ass in the Vince's office, and it was just weird. Like, Vince looked so weird. And, like, no tie... A uh, jacket, a t- like a shirt, fucking blue jeans. I was like, "What the fuck is this, Vince McMahon?" But I like how they were basically caught, like red-handed by their parents. <laughs> yeah, and caught red-handed, and they're just looking at each other like. Heart that made me laugh the most is when they left and went back in and reorganized <laughs> the office, and then they left again and they took a few seconds. They looked at each other and talked like did that really just happened, and then they continued. Yeah, that was good. Oh my god, that, that was, was so funny. Favorite cameo of the night, and I'm glad they did that. Now, here's the thing. After this, we go to the actual Money in the Bank matches, which lasted like five minutes. Oh yeah, each if if not together. It was like a good five, six minutes together. Because we start off with like the women getting up there first. Right. And now, the, there was another cameo, but we'll get to that when we talk about the men's side of it. Right. Um, so the women are already up there. And it was Asuka, Jax, Carmella? I think Lacey Evans. Oh no, Lacey Evans, Nia Jax, and Asuka. The other three were disposed of on the way up to yeah. um, going to the briefcase. So the, there's only three combatants left of the match. And out of those three, I honestly thought Lacey Evans was going to win. Right, and then as they were, um, Asuka was climbing up the ladder and King Corbin, by the time, you know, after the woman had a few minutes, once King Corbin finally got I think he might have been the first guy to get up there. Right, he was the first guy to get up there. But this this is what the confusing part of the match was to me. Asuka's climbing up the ladder. Corbin climbing up the ladder. Telling Asuka no, like waiting for, like he wants her to wait or something. Asuka just kicks him right off the ladder. That's what I was just about to get to. It's like, he's not a female. He's not going to hurt your chances of winning the winners. Right, so I'm trying to figure out, they're not fighting for each other's briefcases, so why not just let him climb up the ladder? Right, and at this point, you know, Rey Mysterio and Alistair Black came up, Otis, and that's when Baron Corbin needed two people off the roof. Quote, unquote. Which, if you've seen more, if you've seen pictures, there is basically maybe like a few inch drop with a crash It was a six pad. foot drop. With the crash pads. 
Yeah, it was a six-foot drop with crash pads for two people. But you don't know that, obviously, until after the until the next night on Raw when they say, oh, we found a six-foot landing that we, you know, used. Like, okay, okay. whatever. Right, but, yeah, and then... But here, here's the thing that confused me. Three out of the six women did not show up to fight for the ladder match. Right. All six men show up for the ladder match. Right. And I'm just like, okay, so the, if, if you can't tell the difference between who the WWE focuses on more gender-wise. Oh, yeah, that was, that was obvious. So it was like, okay. Now, I will say, like you said, Baron Corbin commits murder. <laughs> Two acts of and, murder. And he's totally okay with it, but breaking his last window in the gym, he looks like he's about to pull his pants. He's going to poo his pants because Vince McMahon's going to tell him it's coming out his ass. <laughs> right. But the, the other the other odd part about the match is how Otis set up the ladder and was going to climb it and he broke a step. Yeah, he broke a step. I was like, what the fuck? They're really going to do this? Because I've seen, Christ, Big Show's climbed the ladder. Bam, bam, big alone. Well, no, Big Show climbed the ladder because he had a Big Show ladder. I'm just saying I've seen bigger guys... Right, which is fair. Um, yeah, no, it it it's a sh- it was weird, but the uh, the ending sequence I'll take. It was it was an interesting ending sequence. Yeah, because at that point, AJ's on one side of the ladder, King Corbin's on the other. After yep. you know, Oscar is already pulled down, the women's money in the bank, and then we magically heard Michael Cole's voice. Yeah, it was like it was like so weird to magically hear Michael Cole's voice. Right, you, that we could tell that was clearly done after they filmed that. Oh but, yeah, yeah. AJ's on one side, King Corbin's on the other, and then all of a sudden we just see him get King Corbin get splattered by Elias with a guitar. Yeah, it's like you don't even really see Elias; you just see the backside of Elias with the guitar shot, and then him leaving. Right, because at that time, I think both AJ and King Corbin had their hands on the briefcase. Yeah, and then when Corbin let go, AJ's playing Butterfingers with the damn thing, and, and then, then Otis, Otis just stands there and catches it. Right, and then Otis is now Mister Otis in the bank. Yeah, get so twenty twenty Money in the Bank winner is freaking Otis from Heavy Machinery. Which the thing I was talking about earlier, I heard a few different from a few different places that he might catch that in to face the new day for the SmackDown tag titles. Oh my God! No, that's, it's a World Championship briefcase. I know, I know that, but that's what I've been hearing that he might do. Okay, they might have him do. Here's how we're going to do this. I'm going to take 10 minutes to book this out real quick. Because I can do that. I can take 10 minutes. It's my fucking show. Right. Oh, my God. Scratch that. We're not going to do the tag title cash-in. That's retarded. That is the really? that is the dumbest fucking way they could possibly ruin the contract. Yeah, because the contract would be stupid at that so you're pretty much telling me that they could cash in on any title at that point, yes. not just the world title, any title. Right. I mean, that's what I've heard. Who knows if that's really going to happen? But I've seen you know, a few YouTube videos, a few Facebook posts, 
that that's what might happen. But oh, yeah. like, this was on backstage recently at the performance center at Renee Young, and Punk gave him the best advice he ever could. Don't trust anybody. Yeah. You want to know why? Because Punk's probably thinking the same way I am. I'm going to book this shit for about 10 minutes, and I could probably do eight months worth of booking. Oh, easily. Yeah. So, Otis wins. Fine. Deal with that. Let him keep on going on his babyface run with Mandy Rose. Let heavy let, let Mandy Rose be the manager of Heavy Machinery. Right. Let them win the tag titles with Mandy Rose as Heavy Machinery's manager. Like, pretty much make Mandy Rose the new Sonny. Yeah. They win the tag titles probably a month or two after Otis has already won Money in the Bank. So, we're looking into July. August SummerSlam comes around, defend the tag titles. September comes around for Night of Champions, uh, defends the titles. Hell in the Cell, lose the titles. Survivor Series, start planting, you know, seeds of disbandment from Mandy Rose between Tucker and Otis. Right. Uh, December, TLC. Uh, TLC... Uh, we'll just have a break there for TLC. Just, you know, let that keep on festering. Just like, you know, slow build. Slow build to, to the festering part. Uh, Royal Rumble. Let it blow up between Otis and Tucker. Have that match at Royal Rumble. Yeah. Now, who do you make the heel? That's a good question. Make Otis the heel. For this. For right now. No, I can honestly see them doing Tucker. I can see them doing this. Tucker is getting jealous of the push that Otis has been getting with the money in the bank contract. See, I'd go the other way. I'd go the other way around. I would go Tucker trying to tell Otis, you know, Mandy is only using you because you have the money in the bank contract. Mandy only cares about the money. Mandy only wants this. Mandy only wants that. Mandy's a gold-digging bitch. I can see that happening too, but I can see them doing either do I think the more popular decision would be to make Otis heel? Yeah. But I can see WWE fucking that up and making Tucker heel in a in an angle where Otis would have to be heel. Because Tucker's, Tucker's pretty much digging on Mandy Rose saying, you know, you're a gold-digging bitch. You just want Otis because of the money. You, he has the money in the bank contract. He can get you fame and fortune and all this other extravagant stuff. You're just a gold-digging whore. Fuck you. Obviously, I'm paraphrasing because they will never say that on WWE television. Not anymore. <laughs> but, uh... So then Mandy Rose goes to Otis and mind fucks him. And says, you know, Tucker, Tucker's trying to make advances on me. Tucker is trying to, like, get me to go with him and make him, oh, and make I me could, be his girlfriend. I could... Right. So, by Royal Rumble time, Tucker's the baby face, Otis is the heel, vicariously through Mandy Rose, because Mandy Rose is a bitch. So, you let Otis win by shenanigans with Mandy Rose's help. Blow that tag team up for about four months, and I'll explain that in a second. Um. So, what's after Rumble? It's a couple of them, right? 
Yeah, Chamber. It's Chamber and then Mania, right? They used to be Chamber, Fastlane, and Mania, but they got, I think they got rid of Fastlane. Oh, thank God. But that's what it, that's what it was for a day. Yeah, okay, so we'll just say it's Chamber and then Mania. So chamber, Elimination Chamber. Doing. Okay, Chamber. At Elimination Chamber, you put Otis in the number one contenders match for whatever title didn't get the Rumble winner. So in this case, since he's on SmackDown, we'll make the the Royal Rumble winner Raw again for like the fourth or fifth year in a row. So the SmackDown number one contendership, or no, for the Smack for the WWE or for the Universal Championship, uh, have Otis in the match. I would say have Tucker in the match. Or there you go. Okay, yeah, we'll do that. Have Tucker in the match. Um. I'm not saying make the fucking Universal Champion Tucker. I'm not going to do that. Because that's stupid. Yeah, they would never. They would never do that. Do I think it would be great storytelling for this into the Mania and then having them reunite at Mania? Yeah, I think it would be a great storytelling arc. But guess what? WWE ain't into storytelling right now for no goddamn reason. They just take a bunch of ideas, start it you know that episode of South Park where they make fun of Family Guy for how they make episodes? Uh-huh. That's how WWE is doing it right now. Was that something with the dolls? Like, that was the fucking, the manatees. They were, uh, yeah. and the balls, and they're just like, they pick a ball, throw it in the machine, and it's like, this, that, and the other thing. And then they make an episode about it. It's like, okay, whatever. Okay. Let's some some of the story, I can swear that's their thought process. Right. So, I'm going to go back with my original plan. Let, let, let Otis be in the uh, number one contendership for the Universal Championship. We'll say the Universal Champion was a one-on-one match, and then the number one contendership for Universal Championship will be at inside the Elimination Chamber. Now you have Tucker, now you have Otis... Um, put those two together. You know, make it like a tag team thing. Like, each, like three tag teams have an individual chance of being number one contender. Big E and Kofi Kingston. Uh, Tucker and Otis. And for shits and giggles, Miz and Morrison. Yeah. Let Miz win the number one contendership. For the Universal Championship. I'm liking that. Now. Or no, I take that back. Morrison. Let Morrison win the number one contendership. I either can't do way, it with... Either way, I was getting it. Right. Uh, I can't do it with Miz because he already has a wife and these it's already been kayfabe on TV that he has a wife. So I'm going to go with Morrison. Let Morrison win the number one contendership for the Universal Champion. I don't care who the champion is by mania. Morrison wins the championship. Mandy Rose is now with Morrison. Or no, let me let me let me back that up. Mandy Rose sees Morrison as the number one contender and sees he could probably get me more fame and fortune. He could probably do this. He could probably do that. 
So they slow burn it. Well, that it wouldn't be a slow burn. It'd probably be uh It'd probably be a fast burn on this one, actually, because it's going to be at least six, five to six weeks from Chamber to Mania. Yeah. So within that five to six weeks, make it like Mandy Rose slowly, like, or not slowly, but like at a, at a good pace, cheating on Otis with John Morrison. Oh, yeah. And then John Morrison goes to Mania... With Mandy Rose in his corner, and wins the Universal Championship. And that's when you hear the machinery music, or whatever Otis music. That's when you hear Otis's music, which is heavy machinery at the time. And then you have Mandy Rose look. Oh shit! Morrison just went through a grueling match with whoever. The Universal Champion is at the time. I don't think it's going to be Braun Strowman, but in this case, I'm just going to say it's going to be whoever. I don't care. Morrison wins regardless at Mania. Yeah. Have Tucker, or have Otis come in with the Money in the Bank bank briefcase and cash in that night against Morrison. Now, here's where it gets tricky. Do you do you make do you let Otis win the championship in a good baby face feel moment? Or do you make him gain more baby baby face sympathy from having Mandy screw him out of the money in the bank contract? Oh, like when the rock's not looking, she mows bows in five time. Yeah. Or like, you know, like as the match is going on, you know, t- throws his feet off the rope. Or something, you know. I I don't know. How I yeah, I can see them doing it that way, but I, I really would like to see the big guy get the belt, even if he only had it for like maybe a couple of weeks or something. Right, and that that's the thing. It's like, do you, so that's the tricky part. Do you, do you let him win the championship, or do you let him get, gather more sympathy as a babyface? Because you just freshly turned him babyface after a heel run of three months. I really honestly think it's, it's going to depend on if fans are allowed back to WrestleMania. WrestleMania are not the Right. I really do. So, that, that's, that's where the dilemma is. But I'm going to go with giving him the championship because... Or actually, yeah, I'm gonna let him have the championship against Morrison because then you can have a Morrison, Miz, Tucker, Otis rivalry with Mandy as the manager for Morrison and Miz, and then you know the next night on Raw, Otis comes out with a championship and says, you know, I want to bring Tucker out because I want to apologize to him, and. Or that's what we can do. So Mandy Rose has Morrison at Mania. Tucker comes out with Otis when he cashes in money in the bank. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So uh, so that's what we'll do. We'll have Tucker and Otis back together at Mania. Um, have him apologize the night after he wins the championship. You know, do a whole Kofi storyline with Otis. Like, let him run with the title for about five months, and then 
you know, give it to another another person, whoever wins Money in the Bank that year. So you've now created a heel persona in Mandy as the new Sonny. You've now made Morrison a champion. So now he has to get it back. There you go. So let Morrison gain his title back after like a five-month reign with Otis. I don't doing that long. But... Right, but I'm saying like let him have a lengthy title one because it's probably the only one he's going to get. At least a couple months. Right. Morrison Brink gets it back and, you know, they're... It's team versus team for the singles championship. You know, it's like Tucker in the corner of Otis, or Otis and Tucker, of, or Otis in the corner of Tucker. Which they've done like, stuff like that before. Right. So it's perfectly fine. But at right. the same time, it's just like you, you want to build stars at this point. Morrison has never been a world champion in WWE. Give him that championship title shot. Let Mandy Rose become a heel persona on her own as a manager. Yeah, Let her become I, Sonny. At that point, John Morrison would become a Grand Slam champion. He, no. Has he's not like, held the U.S. title. Not he has. No, has never held the U.S. title. He's only held the Intercontinental and Tag Team Championships. Huh. So technically, him winning the world title would be Grand, or Triple Crown. Yeah, I really thought he said the U.S. Well, nope, never had the U.S. title. Oh. But yeah, that's how I would book Otis, you know, cashing in. Like, let it be a slow burn. Let him cash it in at, like, Chamber, Mania, the pay-per-view after Mania, you know. Let let it build. Like, let Mandy screw him slowly and not the way he wants to. You know, oh, like, yeah. let, let her gold-digging whore persona show and shine through and let her be a massive heel, you know, to fans that, you know... We'll look at Otis and go, you know, that guy got, I feel sorry for that fat fuck. He, you know, he got screwed over by a hot, gorgeous blonde and, you know, it just, it sucks. You know, you never want to see that to a friend. You never want to see that to your favorite wrestler. But yeah, just let that be a slow burn, slow build, break up heavy machinery for like two months, two or three months. Bring them back together. Let Tucker have a short singles push. You know. You, you do what you gotta do, I guess. Yeah. I won't go... I, I mean, obviously, I haven't gone into too much detail. But I just want, I just want to do the keynotes, because it's like... That's how you should do it. Let, let the detail be between them. Don't... Try to make the detail all the way up. Just do bullet points for what you want to happen for the months to follow. Right. Oh, boy. But with that, the show is over! <laughs> so, that was our review of Money in the Bank. Out of a grade of 1 to 10, Steve, what would you give it? Uh, 6 or 7. Because there were some moments that made it go down and then there were moments that made it go back up. It wasn't like an 8 to a 10. Right. I'd say like a 7. Okay, so you say a 7. I'll, yeah, I'll agree with you. I'll give it like a, a 6 or 7. The Money in the Bank matches obviously boost the rating up. Oh, I'm not yeah, going to lie yeah. on that. Because there were um, certain finishes made it like, really? 
And yeah. at certain moments, I was like, oh, okay, I like this. The WWE Championship match was workhorse match of the night. Mm-hmm. Um, match of the night, period. It was a great match. Uh, the Universal Championship match wasn't all that bad. Uh, creative finish. That, that was um, a good storytelling match. It was a good storytelling match. Uh, the tag title match was sloppy it, it, to say the was, least. It was what it was. Yeah, it was a little bit sloppy to say the least. And the SmackDown Women's Championship match also told a good story of Tamina, you know, finally having a one-on-one match for the title. And, you know, she, she honestly, she showed her best, and I don't think that feud's over just yet. So a seven will rank good in my book, honestly. Um, so with that, before we go, we obviously play F. Mary Kill. Um, Steve, your pick this time. Um, uh, let's do pass, let's do some pass the money in the bank winners. Oh, God. I, okay. Yeah. Um, let's see. Edge. Um, Damien Sandow. You fuck. Oh, you knew I was gonna go there. And. Uh, Seamus. Fuck! Okay, um... Yeah, I'm an evil person, I know. Shoot Seamus in the back of the head, execution style. Okay, that's going a bit overboard, but no. <laughs> it was better than what I, was, I would have done to him. Uh, Mary Edge, because oh, yeah. he's a great father. That's an um, and I guess I'll fuck Damien Sandow. <laughs> and it's going to be weird, too, because if he does a stunt double thing, we're just going to both be on our knees humping the air. Oh, that'd be great. Like, that's just weird. But, uh, yeah, with that, that was F. Mary Kill, and that was the podcast. You guys have a good night, week, day, whenever you guys hear this. Uh, please like, share, Follow, subscribe, listen to us on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, uh, Anchor.fm, Stitcher, wherever you guys can find your podcasts. And with that, 